From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Thursday, January 27th. Since November, Grand and San Juan counties have had a new transportation option to get to the Salt Lake Valley. Stops include Blanding, Monticello, and Moab. Justin Higginbottom speaks to riders and operators of Salt Lake Express about making the region more connected. Living in rural Utah is a little isolating. Seeing a doctor or going shopping can all be hours away. Just me and my friend just read. Nice. It's even harder without a car. Luckily, Lydia Carpenter today has found a ride. I'm going up to Salt Lake. I'm down here visiting. I'm going to work out at a lodge out in the desert. So it's great. I have my apartment back in Salt Lake City. I can get back and forth because I don't have a car. So I don't have to worry about finding somebody that wants to drive four hours down to Moab. I'm standing in front of the Chevron in Moab at a stop for the Salt Lake Express. The new shuttle goes north and west to Green River, Price, Spanish Fork, all the way to the Salt Lake City Airport. Joanna is another rider. She's seeing family in Salt Lake, and she has a car, but it sounds a little like mine. I actually have a car, but it's under construction, I would say. I figured this would be the easiest way. I don't know about cheaper, but I'm excited to see how the shuttle works. Today, Kevin Arrington is their driver. He started in Blanding this morning, and this stretch from Blanding to Moab is his favorite. Just like the red rocks and the cliffs, and then you can see you have the old space, and you'll see a mountain in the background with snow on it, so it's kind of fun. This is a nice drive. It's, the temperature is good, the scenery is good. At night's a little bit scary, but other than that, no, it's a, and it's not that long. According to a 2019 American Community Survey, around 2.5 million people in rural areas don't have access to a car. That especially limits mobility for the elderly or those with a disability. The American Public Transportation Association found rural households spend 7% more of their income on transportation. And transportation is already the second largest expenditure for Americans. In rural areas, mass transit like Greyhound isn't always available. With fewer riders, those lines are often unprofitable. We have been trying to fill this gap through Moab down to Blanding for, gosh, seven years. (laughs) Um, It's a long story. That's Kathy Pope. She's the sales and marketing manager for Salt Lake Express. The Utah Department of Transportation offers grants for companies to start routes in underserved regions. In 2015, Pope's company bid on establishing this route through Moab. But the contract went to another company, which ran it for a few years and then stopped. Pope says they ran out of money. The state subsidized Salt Lake Express to restart the line last year, but it's only seed money. And so we have three years to try to make this successful. So we're working hard to try to market it and let everybody know about it. Pope has a limited time to make the route profitable, but she has practice. She says her company has used state grants to set up successful routes since 1994. It's really hard to start a service in any remote area, even if it's fairly populated like this route is. It's really hard to gamble, especially in this climate of today, without a little bit of help. Pope says she's optimistic she can make this route work. She's already seeing encouraging ridership. We think that if we do some heavy promotions, we get the support of the community on this route, it will never, ever go away again. Never again. Her shuttle runs twice daily through Moab. It costs $53 and takes four and a half hours from here to the Salt Lake Airport. 
Meanwhile, Moab City is applying for federal funds for their own local shuttle service, the Moab Area Transit. Justin Higginbottom for KZMU News. And there's more from the world of transportation. Over 150 low-income essential workers in neighboring Colorado are using e-bikes paid for by the state. The Can-Do Colorado e-bike pilot program appears to be a hit with participants and a positive step in the transition away from fossil fuels. Hannah Lee Myers with our partners at KGNU reports. It seems the sound of e-bikes whizzing by is going to become increasingly familiar during commutes. Sandy Syrian, e-bike program manager at Community Cycles in Boulder, says federal data suggests e-bikes should become a more familiar means of transportation. Over 60% of every car trip is within six miles of a home and uh, 75% of every car trip is within 10 miles of somebody's home. And those short trips mean many of us are good candidates to replace fossil fuel vehicle trips with e-bike travel. A change a recent in-depth study found could cut urban residents' travel emissions by 67 percent if one car ride a day was replaced with an e-bike trip. The same study found if just 10 percent of the urban public would do the same, overall transportation emissions would fall by around 10 percent. Here enters the Can-Do Colorado e-bike program. After a successful mini-pilot in the fall of 2020, in spring of 2021, the Colorado Energy Office awarded grant funding to five organizations, including Boulder's Community Cycles. Each organization was charged with outfitting a portion of the 156 low-income essential workers participating with new e-bikes and all the required accessories. It's been an incredible blessing for me. 36-year-old Joshua Robinson applied for the program while experiencing homelessness. And after a few months with his e-bike, he's thrilled and has ruled out trying to buy a car altogether. There's not a lot of situations I can think of where I would need a vehicle necessarily. Like even with snowboarding, the, there's a bus that goes up there. And sometimes if I want like a little bit of extra range, I can put my bike on the bus and then ride it from there. And especially with, like, rates the way they are right now with cars. I don't know if you've looked at that, but, like, rates are crazy. I don't really see myself in the foreseeable future getting a car or needing to get a car, really. Fellow participant Howard Trapita agrees with Robinson that the program has had a life-altering positive effect. Even though the transition to the e-bike lifestyle can take some time and dedication. The minute I get on my bike to leave work, I'm a little tired. And sometimes I think about taking that bus. But the minute I'm out there, um, I think if people just give it a shot, not two weeks, they give it three months, then they wouldn't want to do it any other way. You know, my gas money goes towards a nice bottle of wine for the weekend. Can-Do Colorado program participants have been logging their travel info on an app developed by the National Renewable Energy Laboratory. Senior program manager at the Colorado Energy Office, Sarah Thorne, has been reviewing that data. And her opinion is... I would say overall, like, very successful. Thorne says the positive results of this pilot program fit well with federal and state plans to encourage the use of e-bikes as a means of travel in the future. 
So I think moving forward, you know, there are going to be a lot more programs available and it's not just going to be us. It's going to be our neighboring states. It's going to be smaller communities, whether that's through their utility or through their local government. And that also includes, you know, infrastructure, federal dollars, all of that stuff is going to be available in the next, you know, six to nine months. And I think that's really going to change what's available to people and their ability to participate in any sort of e-bike action. President Biden's Build Back Better Act currently includes a $900 tax credit for e-bike purchases. From the state to the bike shop to the participants, there was agreement on another necessary factor to make e-bikes a successful part of the transition away from fossil fuels. Bicycle infrastructure. Infrastructure. Biking infrastructure. Like protected bike lanes, safe bike storage, robust trail systems, and e-bike compatible mounts on buses all infrastructure that keeps bike users safe and comfortable on roads, trails, and when traveling in conjunction with public transit, which is a must if e-bikes are going to win over commuters and coax them out of their cars. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Hanley Myers. This story is part of a Rocky Mountain Community Radio reporting collaboration on the transition away from fossil fuels. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, January 27th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.